Welcome to this special edition of the Two Half Squads. This is the first part in a series of episodes that we are going to be calling Newbie Doo. Where are you guys? These are uh, episodes specifically designed for new squad leader players. And we're going to, this is the first of those series, the first in that series. We're going to start right off with uh, Starter Kit 1, the Scenario 1, walking you right through not really going over the rules, but as we're going through the scenario, we're going to tell you everything we're doing, where everybody is set up, how the play goes. And this is not going to be... Uh, I'm joined here, by the way, with Joe. By Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi. Everybody knows Joe. Glad to be here today. Glad to have you. Uh, thanks for coming uh, so soon after the Christmas holidays. I'm glad you finally sobered up. Yeah. <laughs> All those different exotic beers you had me trying. And... Yeah. Yeah, what are you drinking tonight? We're having, we always have a little beverage. What do you got? We're going Mexican tonight. We're going uh, Corona. You got the Corona. And I'm, I got my, a little glass, just a little something. A little glass of something. A little scotch. Just a little uh, 12-year-old scotch? 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. Bal- Balvine, I think it's called, or Balvini. Maybe it's Balvini. I don't know. Not Cuddy Sark or something like that? No, Cuddy Sark. No. Isn't that like the Mad Dog 2020? Yes, it is. Yeah. I think it is. I saw you cringe when I mentioned It's not that. allowed in this house. No, the, only single malts here. Okay. Yes, we're snobby here. <laughs> snobby scotch drinkers. So uh, we're going to be going through uh, scenario one, which is retaking Verville. Is that how you would pronounce that, Joe? I just say Verville. Okay. We're going to call it Retaking Verville. Scenario one. And uh, the first thing we'd recommend that you do when you're playing squad leader is read over the scenario rules. And some things to keep in mind are know what the victory conditions are when you get started so that you know where you're going. And keep those in mind where you're going. It's not just a necessarily a slugfest. You actually have conditions. And in this game, the conditions are the... The Americans start off on the board, and they need to, at the end of the of the game, at the end of the scenario, they need to make sure there are no good order German units in the buildings that are in hex N5, N6, M4, and L3. Seems easy enough. Yeah. I shouldn't have a problem with that. In theory, it sounds like you should have no yeah. problem. And I, Jeff, am going to be the Americans. Joe has volunteered to be the German players, uh, the German player. We've got all the counters out here in uh, in alphabetical order. So as we're moving each counter, we're going to say I'm moving counter squad A or squad B. We're going to tell you where they're going, what they're doing, what all the move, where the phases are. We're not going to talk too much about the actual strategy because we're not as interested in winning this game as just going through this particular scenario and walking you through it. So I think we should just get started. What do you say? All right, and then I think... Uh, let uh, let everyone know it's going to differ from the uh, the extra episodes. Yes, that we're not really going to talk so much about uh, overall strategy, and mm-hmm. it's more concentrating. Okay, I, I, I've decided what my strategy is, and I'll briefly touch upon it. But for the most part, we're just going to we're going to explain what we're doing it as we're doing it, 
and discuss the rules. It's more about the rules and not the, the strategy of the That's game. right. That's right. So come along with us, everybody. It should be an interesting show. Hopefully it'll be interesting. Hopefully it'll be funny, if I can think of anything funny. And be instructive at the same time. I was and wondering, instructive. I, was, I thought it was interesting. Every A lot of your uh, fans were commenting on keep the comedy. And I'm thinking, well, how do you, how do you keep the comedy and still try to... Uh, teach. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. We'll see how it goes. So everybody, get out board your get out your starter kit one. Get out board Y, and the Americans are going to start off by setting up their seven four seven squads. And in this scenario, there are instructions that the Americans set up. They have some very specific setup instructions for the Americans. Not all scenarios are this specific, but. They're telling the Americans to set up on road hexes N3, N4, M5, and L5 with no more than one multi-man counter per hex. So I've got um, I've got three full squads of 747s. I've got one half squad of 337 and one 81 liter. And I just put them out here on the board. So I've got squad A is in N3, squad B is in N4. My half squad A is in M5 and my final full squad C is in L5. So there they all are all lined up and ready for action. And it's interesting the only really variance that you have is where you place that half squad. You can you can choose to put it at the end of the column over in uh, N3. Right. Um, so some of the strategy, it's, it's interesting on where you decided to, to put that. I gave this a lot of thought, Joe. In fact, for the last two weeks, I've been wondering, where am I going to put that 337? And tonight when you got here, I still hadn't decided. So I just put them out there in, uh, in M5. It's kind of in the middle. And I put the leader along with them uh, because they're kind of protected there between some buildings and uh, hopefully... They're going to be safe and secure. The first thing that happens is the Germans are going to come on. Now, in squad leader, a full turn consists of two player turns. Each player gets what they call a player turn. And when it's somebody's player turn, they have a certain sequence of phases that they can go through. So we're going to start off in this scenario. The scenario says the Americans set up first, which I have done. The Germans get to move first. So in this case, it's German's player turn in turn one. Yeah, or the top of turn one. Top of turn one. And the first thing that you have to do whenever you have units moving onto the board, uh, before you get to the prep fire phase, which is the first, I'm sorry, the rally phase is the beginning, but before the turn even starts, um, you have to put your counters uh, next to the board on it, where they're going to enter the board. In, in my case, I have units moving in from the west and the east, which I'll explain a little bit later as I, as I actually move them on. But at this point, I've already determined where they're entering on each side of the board, which is something you have to do before you, you can even start your player turn. To start off with, and, and just to make it easier, if you going to the, referring to the scenario card, that first group, elements of the 1,058th Grenadier Regiment, uh, it's three, four, six, sevens, and an 8-1 leader. They come on on the east side. So what I've done is I've set up my 8-1, and I, one, four, six, seven, and it's uh, 
it's squad A, four, six, seven. And I've got them right off the edge of next to O10, which is that wood building on the right-hand side. Yep. So I got those come preparing to come on there. Then moving on down to next to J10, I have the remaining two four six sevens, and that'll be squads B and C, and they're going to come on right next to J10. Okay. Over on the west side, uh, the next group, these are the second line troops, and they're the three four four sevens accompanied by a 7 leader. Um, Jeff, should I get into the second line, first line at this point? Uh, sure, since you brought it up. Okay, the, in the upper right-hand corner of uh, every squad is a number or a letter sometimes. And in the case of going back to the the men coming in on the east side, they have a one, meaning they're first line troops, and they're not they're not outstanding, but they're not bad either. They're just uh, each country has their their first line troops, and they're usually their it's the most common. On the west side, I have the three four four sevens. They're considered second line, and they usually have a lower morale or a lower firepower or a lower range or sometimes a combination of all, all of those. And in this case, they're, uh, the second-line troops are 447s, the first-line troops are 467s, so really the difference between them is their range. Yes. And so that's, that is my set. Oh, I don't know if I got to the... On the west, west side, I have the 2447s and a 70, and they're set up right next to hex P1, the uh, stone building. And that's uh, squad B and C? Yes. Okay. And the remaining third squad, squad A, is going to come on on A. I'm sorry, it's coming on next to I-1. Okay. And that's uh, ready to go. All right, so we're ready for our first turn. Well, we're at the beginning now of turn one, German's turn one, and the first phase is the rally phase, but as usually happens in the this part of a scenario on the first turn, there is nothing to rally. So, Joe, I'll let you take over. Here okay, so we'll skip right through the rally phase this turn and prep fire. Obviously, I have no units on the board, so I, I can't prep fire anything that I don't have. That's so right. We're going to go right to the movement phase for the Germans. And we'll start on the east side. And I'm going to start with the 8-1 and squad A, the 467, that is next to 010. I'm going to assault move into the wood building. No! You sure you want to do that? I give Positive. up. I concede. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> Game over. That was it. Okay, so you've done an assault move. And what an assault move is, is... It's a movement of one hex. It's one hex, you're using, and it has to be less than four movement factors. Le less than your full, well, your full, your full movement, movement factor. Factors. Right. So in for a leader, it could be five, because a leader has six movement six factors. Six movement points, yeah, or movement yeah. factors, yes. So it's a, it's a movement of one hex, and one of the advantages of a salt move is that it is, um, you don't get, if, if you were not doing an assault move and continuing on, it gives me and doing defensive fire against you a little bit of an advantage, but you're doing an assault move. Yeah, and that's why I was pausing. I was trying to figure out how to introduce the topic of the the whole uh, 
minus one for moving out in the open, minus two, uh, another minus one for non-assault movement. Maybe uh, we should just do it as it comes up. And so in this case, this okay. is the reason why I'm doing, I'm, I'm using assault movement because I just want, I don't want to go any further. Uh, I just want to get into that building with the best chance of success. And the reason why I'm going for this building with this leader is I'm trying to cover the north end of the board. I'm trying to, I don't know, at this point, I don't know where the Americans are coming on with their reinforcements on the north end. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to to delay and and at least cover the right hand side. And the advantage I have, at least in the early game, is I have uh, I'm going I have first line that's going up against elite American units. But I have the advantage of range. I have a six hex normal range, which really that gives me good coverage of this 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 side of the board, this northeast edge of the board. I can cover the grain that starts at S in that S row. And if he's going to go for the building in R7, again, I, I've, I've got him uh, pretty well covered. And if he has to go across that road, the R6 and Q7. Q7 yes, right. Q7. Uh, I got a lot of, so I'm, I'm trying to cover, and, I, and at this time, everything's going to be out of his range. So he'll be shooting at me at half effect and I'll be shooting full. So I'm gonna take advantage of that and that's why I'm going for the building there. Moving on down on the east side again, I still have squads C and B and they're gonna double time. The double time adds two to your movement. So infantry start off with four movement factors. I now have six and I'm gonna go right through the woods. I'm entering at J10, which is two. Are you gonna move those one at a time? Uh, yes. At this I point, I'm going to because uh, you should never stack, and you, and whenever possible, even when you think it's safe, you should try to always move one unit at a time through hexes. Never move as a stack. That should be one of the basic rules. There's very few instant cases where you would want to move as a stack, and I, I, I can't think of when that yeah. is. But unless you're moving with a squad with a leader. Yes. But you'd never really want to. There would never be a case really where you'd want to move two squads together at the same time together at the same time and it's just a good habit to get into and even though there's no way i can fire at you where you're going you're going to move one squad at a time correct okay. so i will start with squad b and they will enter the board at j10 which is two movement points to go through woods okay they're going to proceed to j9 which is another two so you're at four movement points i'm at four and, and that's normally the extent of a squad but since you said it was going to be cx you get two more movement points and I'm going to elect to go to K9, which will finish my move. Okay. And there is no nothing for me to do at this point as the uh, defender because I can't see anything. I can't see any of Joe's units. Yes, there's no line of sight to these no the, line of sight. my units, so still... Yeah, I can see them because I'm sitting... <laughs> <laughs> Joe's hidden them behind his shirt. <laughs> No, I can see them, but there's no line of sight from my squads to hit squads. And then this I, is like computer programming. You have to be very specific in the way you speak. This is making this a very difficult uh, podcast. Yeah, sometimes so. because a lot of a lot of a lot of things we take for granted. Yeah, and it's really and I, yeah. So just trying to figure out saying everything correctly. Yes. And so bear with us, people. All right, Squad C is going to come on at J10. It's going to follow in the path of Squad B. It's going to go J10, J9, and in this case, they're going to keep going to J8. J8? For their six. 
hot dog. So backing up just a little bit, as Joe moved that first squad, that was squad B, into K9, uh, he said he was moving at CX, so now he's going to put the CX counter on that. And CX stands for counter exhaustion. So there will be some, there are some penalties for moving CX. We won't talk about them now. We'll talk about them later. But now he's marked that with the CX counter. And now he's marking uh, squad C. Which squad C will get their CX. Mm -hmm. And at this point, uh, I have moved into line of sight of one of Jeff's squads at L5. Right, so now that Joe has moved, um, as Joe is moving, I always have an opportunity to stop him during his movement and take a shot at him whenever he comes into line of sight. So, and again, we're doing this not be, we're setting this up not necessarily because these are smart strategic moves, but just so we can demonstrate things so he wouldn't normally maybe run into there, would you, Joe? No, I wouldn't give you this this shot early in the game, but but we wanted to have some action because part of the fun of squad leader is shooting your squads. <laughs> and we don't want everyone to fall asleep, so now we get to discuss first fire, which right. is what Jeff is going to do. It's called uh, it's really defensive first fire, right? And it's only done during your opponent's move, meaning mine. I'm moving, and this is the chance for Jeff to to stop me during the move, and. Um, and attempted to inflict some damage on me. So right. he's going to attack me now. So I'm going to attack Joe now with my 747 squad, that is squad C, that's in L5. He's going to shoot at Joe. Now, he has a, uh, my squad has a firepower of 7, and the hex he's firing into is J8, which is within my normal range, so I can shoot with my full firepower of 7. Uh, now, because Joe is in the woods, there's going to be some uh, modifier. And because Joe moved into that hex without using a salt move, there's also another modifier. So there's a modifier of plus one because I'm shooting into the woods. And there's a modifier for minus one because Joe moved into that woods hex without using a salt move. And then we should also pause and mention that even though it says seven on the counter... Uh, that that drops down to a six on the infantry fire table. Right, because the there IFT. is no there is no seven. So he's shooting six factors at a unit in the woods, which is plus one. But it's getting a minus one for the non assault movement, and so that that makes it it's an equal shot. It's just a, a six with no modifiers. So we're gonna roll the dice. Here we go. I wish you bad luck. Thank you very much. And I rolled a six. So a six on the six column translates over to a one morale check. So Joe's going to have to roll a morale check, and while he is shaking in his boots, I'm I gonna... roll a six. So I and I add one to the dice roll, which brings it up to a seven. And because I tie my morale factor on the right, the the seven is my morale. And because I tie it, I become pinned. So I'm going to get Joe a pin counter, which he's going to put on that squad. Meanwhile, my squad C is going to get a first fire counter. Now my squad is being marked, the squad that fired is being marked with a first fire counter. Yeah, conceivably now, because Joe 
expended two movement points to enter the hex J8. I can do a first fire on him when he expends the first movement point, and I could fire on him again with that same squad using subsequent fire for that second movement point. Um, but I'm going to not do that right now, because uh, just to keep things a little neater, and we'll we'll do that a little later. Okay. So my movement is complete on the eastern side. The all squads have entered. And I'm going to move over to the west side, and we'll start with squad A, which is sitting next to I1. They're going to enter one movement factor along the road. Uh, they're going to expend two more movement factors to end. They're going to double time. I'm going to start off the turn double timing. So these this squad also has six movement factors uh, available to it for this turn. I'm going to use two more movement factors to enter I2, the stone building. So I'm sitting at three movement factors. I'm now going to enter I3 for my fourth movement factor. Uh, I'm lucky. There's no, there's no bullets or anything whizzing around my head, so these guys will <laughs> Looks like continue. there's no line of sight there for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's close. I'm thinking that building at L3 might block, might clip the line of sight over to um, the squad that I'm concerned about that might see me over in N3 at the crossroads. Yeah, and I'm not going to risk that. I could conceivably say I'm to ask Joe to stop there so that I could take a shot at him. And if there's any question about the line of sight, we would get out our, our thread, our official advanced squad leader thread. It's which pink. is It's available at fine hobby stores everywhere. And in your, yeah, our or, or on our website, probably, for $40 a spool. <laughs> for only 50 yards. All proceeds go to us. Um, so we could do that. But the problem with that is if I don't have line of sight, um, I still have to take a roll and if I, uh, as a morale check. Yes. But I don't want to risk that. And so I'm just going to let Joe go. And then, and then more importantly, he would have to put a first fire counter right. on his squad. And he still doesn't know where I'm entering. Or he, well, he kind of has an idea, but he still knows that I have been entering um, the board. Right. So he, he wants to make sure that he has uh, some shots ready for those. Yeah, I want to take a sure shot. So I'll let that go. All right, so and I still have two movement factors for this squad A down here at I3. And I'm going to elect to run into building J3. And they also get a CX counter placed on top of them. Now moving on to the 7-0 with the two 447s, squads B and C. Uh, they're going to do a, an assault move one at a time. I'm going to enter squad C. Assault move into P1. All right. Now I'm going to... Oh, I'm not going to stop you there because you've made an assault move and you are stopped there, but I'm going to take a shot at you there. And I'm going to actually fire on you with two squads. I'm going to fire on you with the squad in N3 and the squad in N4. Oh, good. You get to explain the fire group. So this is what's called a fire group. And fire group, very simply, is the combining of the firepower of squads in connected uh, adjacent hexes. There are some cases where you can't do fire groups, but for the most part, if there are squads in adjacent hexes, you can add up their firepower and do a fire group. So in this case, I'm going to add my firepower together on these two squads. That's is squad A and B. Add the two together. It's 14 firepower. It's within normal range. There is no 14 on the infantry fire table, so that's going to round down to a 12. So I have 12 firepower on Joe moving into a stone building. 
So it's going to be a plus three modifier for shooting into a stone building. And because he did a assault move, I don't get the non-assault move modifier. So this is going to be a 12 with a plus three. Rolling the dice. You're going to wish me luck again? It worked really well last time. I'm sprinkling uh, bad pixie dust on the dice. <laughs> Always with the bad pixie dust. I rolled an eight. And so eight plus three. Eight plus three 11. is eleven. And eleven on the twelve is a polite miss, as I like to say. It misses by one. There's no effect. Oh, that's very unfortunate. So I have to mark both of those units now with a first fire counter. And the one good thing about having done this, even though I didn't really inflict any damage on Joe's unit, is something called residual fire. So even though I didn't inflict damage, it does leave residual of half of the firepower that I fired into that hex. In this case, I'm going to put a residual of six in hex P1. Okay, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot and uh, quiz you. Oh, okay. So what are some cases where the residual can get knocked down? Well, uh, in, in starter kit one, I don't think there are any cases where it can get reduced. But in starter kit two, there will be instances where uh, residual can be reduced, and that is if you're shooting through something that's a hindrance, like a field or an orchard or something that is a hindrance to line of sight. It actually will knock down the residual firepower counter that ends up in that target hex. But in this case, we don't have it. So there's a whopping six so residual fire. That so that means now Joe has only moved one squad into that building. So if he moves any additional squads into that building, just by moving into there, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to be attacked with a six firepower. Correct. Six up three. Right. Six plus three. Six for that plus stone three. Building. And that's exactly what I'm going to do because I, I've already staged my 7-0 and the next squad coming on. So they're going to salt move into hex P1. Now, I have a question for you. Somebody might say, okay, then wouldn't it have been better if you had just moved both squads and the leader in a stack into that building so that they're not running into the resid? And there's, yeah, and there's times where this is where hindsight is 2020. I know... The squad, the first squad that went in, nothing happened to him. I got Jeff got a horrible roll, and nothing happened. So my squad's sitting, sitting pretty inside the building. But it could have been he could have got snake eyes, and it would have just instead of losing two squads and a leader, I'd rather just play it safe and do the one squad at a time, stick with my rule. And in this case, uh, it it. it it didn't really gain me anything, but it, it could have. If Jeff would have rolled a low enough roll, he could have killed my whole stack if I went in there. Yeah. Now, this also goes with like one of rule number two that I very rarely break is they, they say never, ever, ever, ever move into residual. Uh, in this case, with this game only being four and a half or five turns, um, and because of the fact that I've, I've set my men where I have, I have to enter and I need to take this building. So this is one time where I'm going to have to risk it. And also because it's a stone building, I feel a little bit safer doing so. So when you're looking at a scenario, you, you sort of have to see how many turns are there and figure out you've got to be aggressive. You can't afford to be mamby-pamby. You're going to go ahead and move in. And this is combat. I, I'm this going to take combat. losses. I, yeah. I can't just be 
yeah, overly safe because then I'll, I'll never win. Right. So in this case, this, this building is crucial, and I'm going to take the risk. So the 7-0 and the next squad have moved into P1, assault move. So Jeff gets to take that 6 resid, plus 3 for the stone building, and he gets to roll. And we're going to see what happens. Okay. And he gets double. He gets a 6, plus 3 is a 9. So a 9 is, again, a polite miss. It misses by 1. No effect. All right, so my, even though it took a little bit longer to move these guys, it took two separate phases, my guys, my two squads in the 7-0 are now safely in building P1. Do you want to surrender, Jeff? Because <laughs> that was pretty much crucial there. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm done. I'm done. This is my second surrender of the game. Yeah. And we're only quaking. halfway through the first part of the first turn. Okay, and we're finally done with the German movement phase. And the next step is defensive fire phase. All right, so it's the end of the movement, end of the German movement phase, and at this point, any residual counters that are, also any smoke counters that would be on the board, would get removed right now. So we're going to take that six residual off of P1, and we now move into defensive fire. Uh, that is the final fire phase where. I have a chance to take any units that have not fired and fired any of Joe's units that are in line of sight. I actually do have a squad that is uh, got line of sight to P1. The squad that's in M5 with the leader has a line of sight to the stone building in P1. So they can take their final fire right now. Now there are some, it's not a great shot, the unit has only a firepower of three because it's final fire. So that half squad in M5 does have line of sight to P1. Uh, they're not a very powerful unit, but I'm going to go ahead and take the shot because I don't think they can hit anything else from here anyway. These are the slackers of your column. <laughs> These are the Jerry's kids. Yeah. But they're feeling confident at this moment. They're under direct supervision of the 8-1. Uh, so they got a whopping firepower of three. Now they also only have a range of three, and P1 is five hexes away. So their firepower is going to be cut in half to one and a half. There is no one and a half on the infantry fire table, so that's going to get rounded down to a one. They're firing into a stone building, which is going to add three. But because they have a leader with them with a negative one on him, that's going to affect their, uh, their die roll by uh, one. So it's plus three for the stone building, minus one for the leader. So this is going to be a one plus two. So I rolled, oh great, I rolled a 10. <laughs> I add two to the 10, that's a 12. What's uh, what's uh, on the one column, Joe, a 12? <laughs> well, you missed by... Yeah, I missed it by that much. You missed by seven. That's not even a polite miss, that's just, a, that's just an outright... That's nasty, man. You sure you don't want to give up on this scenario because things are not looking. That's good. ugly. Yes. All right. So now he gets the final. So they fire get the counter. final fire counter. And that is the end of the defensive fire phase. All of my units have fired that can fire. But I think we should touch upon the the units that have first fire counters, the ones at L5, N3, and N4. He could he could flip those over to final fire, and they could take their 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 final fire. But it's only if there's an enemy unit adjacent to them. Right. Because no unit is adjacent to them, they cannot take that final fire. That's right. 
And so that does mark the end of the defensive fire phase for the Americans. And now we proceed with my, my player turn, which we come up on the advancing fire phase. And the advancing fire phase is where men that have moved, in my case all of my men have moved onto the board, they're allowed to fire. And they do so with the penalty that everything is halved. So uh, I have some units. Now this is my chance to, to get some revenge. So I'm going to take... I never thought about the revenge part. Yeah. I should have thought about this. I'm sorry. You, you created a, a new enemy. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> All right, I'm going to advancing fire phase from P1, the stone building, at these guys sitting naked out in the open at N3. So for me, I have the 2, 4, 4, 7. So that, that totals up to 8. But again, because it's halved, it drops it down to a 4. And they're going to shoot 4. And it's within their normal range. They're only 3 hexes away. And we're going to shoot 4 with no modifiers. There's no minuses, no pluses. My leader, my 7-0, he can't direct anything. He can't modify. And Jeff has no cover for these guys to, 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 uh, to modify. So it's going to be a 4 straight up. And I roll a nice 11. There's something wrong with these dice today. Yeah. Yeah, they got cobwebs on them. So 11 on is nothing, obviously, and that's a miss. So moving right along. Uh, now, in the advan when, a units, when units like that take advancing fire, there are no counters that you put on them to show that they did their advancing fire. No, there just is so not. You, know, right. you just have to remember which of your units have done the advancing fire. Okay, next. All right, moving on over to on the east side. Uh, the 467 and the 81 that are sitting in 010. Yeah, it's kind of a wild shot, but uh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to shoot through the grain, and I'm going to shoot at the unit that is in L5. And because that goes right along the hex spine, if you look from L5 over to my my German units in uh, 010, it goes right along the hex spine. It goes through the it goes through the grain, but by following the uh, the the hex spine, you can tell that the line of sight is good. It doesn't, uh, it's not blocked by any buildings. Right. So I'm going to take that four. It's halved to two, and my range is one, two, three, four, five. It's right within my normal range, and this is where the Germans have the advantage at this stage of the game. They have the longer range, so I get to shoot two factors, and. It's plus one for each hex that I have to go through this grain, because grain is considered a hindrance. It's, co it's considered a, a inherent terrain, meaning that whole hex. So I'm shooting through N9 and O9. That's plus one. N8 is another one. And a hindrance is something that you can shoot through, but which will, will modify your firepower, whereas an obstruction is something you cannot shoot through, so a building or woods. And that would just block your line of sight, Blocks and I wouldn't even be able to see totally. them. Right. Correct. So I'm going through two hexes of hindrance in this grain, so that'll be a plus two. The unit in L5 is sitting in no modifier terrain. It's in, it's sitting in a road. And with my leader, I get to minus subtract one, so it's minus one. So that comes up, that totals up to a two plus one shot. And we'll see what I get. I get an 8, plus 1 is a 9, so 9 on the 2 column is a miss by 3. 
not very effective firing yet, but it's advancing fire phase. I, with my leader, I had to at least take the shot because I could have got a nice low roll. He is sitting out in the open probably the last time for the rest of the game that units are going to be out in the open. I had to take the shot. And moving on down to the unit that he pinned in J8, there's a 467 squad. Now, they're pinned, so they're halved firepower in addition to the being halved from the advancing fire phase. So that would drop them down to a 1. Again, I'm going to take this shot because Jeff is sitting in open ground at L5, and it, it's it's just a it's a it's a good there's a chance that I can get some effect. You never know. Never know. And, and again, this is this is down to one firepower. It's halved because it's advancing fire phase. It's halved again because they're pinned. And then, but they are shooting at me and sitting in the open. Open ground, and I get the additional plus one because I'm CX. The guys are exhausted. They're they're tired and. They get a plus one to their firing from the woods. So you'll roll and add that one. Yes, and I add one okay. to that roll. And so I get a five plus one for the for the uh, the for being CX. It makes it, it a six. Six. A six. Six on the one is a pin check. Oh, pin check. So I'm going to do a pin check on my unit here in L5. They need to get a. They need to beat a seven. They have to pass the morale check in order to not become pinned. Okay, and I rolled a 10 on them, so they are pinned. So we put, we put the evil... The evil pin counter. And you wouldn't think pin it, counter. it does much, but it hurts. Ouch! Depending on the, the, the phase of the turn. In yeah. this case... Probably won't have much effect, but... And sometimes you may, after you play for a while, you'll think, oh, I don't need to put all the counters out there. I'll skip those, because I can remember, and of course there'll be times when... Well, and that's fine, but early on it's good to put everything out so you remember. So, okay, I'm pinned. Okay, and that ends my advanced fire phase. And now we move to the route phase. Now, during the route phase, um, any, any units that are broken would be eligible for route, and we don't have any. We have none. We have no broken units, so we can push right through the route phase. The next phase is the advanced phase, and it's only for that player, in this case the German, myself, I get to advance one hex, my infantry. I will start with, on the west side of J3, I'm going to advance one into K4, moving ever so closer to one of the victory conditions buildings that I need to get, which is L3. The guys up in on the west side, uh, I don't want to jump around too much, but in P1, of course, they're going to stay in that stone building. I'm not going to advance out into the open ground after surviving all that fire, and that firepower, and I'm going to stay in the building. Likewise, with the 8-1 and the 4-6-7 that are sitting in 0-10, they're going to stay in that building because they're, they're covering that northern end where they know the Americans have to come on. Different story down below, uh, K-9, these guys are going to advance one into the K-8 building so they can cover that street. Likewise, now with the pin unit in J8, because they're pinned, the counter says half firepower, no move, no advance. They don't get to do the advance one, so they have to sit there. And that will end my advanced phase. That moves us on to the close combat phase, uh, but because the close combat would only occur if two units from opposing size occupy the same location uh, at this point, and we don't have any of those, so... The close combat phase is moot, 
and we'll go on and that ends the first part of this turn. So we're going to turn over the turn counter from the German side to the American side and the Americans will start their part of turn one. But before we do that, the first thing we have to do some house cleaning is we remove right. the first fire, final fire, and the pin counters. The pin counters are in red. The, everything has its color. It's color coded according to the phases. Anything in red, which are close combat counters sometimes, or uh, pin task checks, various there's various other counters that are in red they come off at the end of the turn as well do the prep and the fire the final fire counters so we're going to remove all those counters now the cx counters will remain on those units uh in this case joe's units until the beginning of joe's next movement phase correct i when I start moving, then they're allowed. And the reason this is, is so that it reminds you that after, once you double time and become CX, the next turn, you're unable to declare double time again. Otherwise, everybody would just declare double time, and every turn they would be moving six movement factors. And this is to, uh, to remind you that you, you're unable to do that in that player turn. So before you start moving, you take the, the CX counter off, and then you can move normal. But for now, those CX counters are going to remain on those units in K4, K8, and J8. And we are now ready to start the American turn one. And in the first phase, the rally phase, is uh, our opportunity to rally any units that are broken, which there are none. And also the uh, attacking player at this point will need to set up any of his units that are coming on board. So I'm going to take all three of these uh, squads that I have, which are D, E, and F, along with the 8-1 leader, and I'm going to place them on W7, which is just outside of the, uh, the line where I bring on units, because the board only uses hexes up through um, hex V. A so through V. A through V. So I'm going to put these on W7, and they're ready to enter on this turn, and we're ready to go. Okay. So rally, rally phase. phase, there is nothing to rally, so we will, and I'm all set up, so we'll continue on. Prep fire phase, so now this is my opportunity to prep fire any units that I have. And I have to think about this, if I prep fire a unit, I won't be able to move it during the movement phase. And there are not any units that I want to leave where they are, so I am not going to prep fire anybody, because all of my units are out in the middle of the street, which is really not the best location to be during a war. Unless it's an atomic war, and then it don't matter. Then it don't matter where you're Don't at. matter. So we're going to start with the movement. I'm going to go right on, skip my prep fire phase, go on to the movement phase. During the attacker's movement phase, now I can do, uh, so I can move whatever units I want here, but the first thing I'm going to do is move my units that are off in the road uh, into some buildings and get them into cover. So I'm going to start off with... The unit in N3, the squad in N3, and I'm going to assault move him into M4, into the stone building in M4. And that's one of the buildings that I need to have, be sure I have control of by the end of the game. So I want to get somebody in there as soon as possible, and hopefully I can hold it through five turns. So assault move, and now, because I moved, Joe has an opportunity to defensive first fire against me. Joe, you want a defensive first fire against me there? No, I'm going to hold my shots because I, I know you still have a lot of movement to do, and I want to make sure I, I have something to, to fire. 
All right, then I'm going to take the move uh, the unit in N4, which is unit B, and I'm going to salt move them into M4. Okay, you're good. I'm not going to fire. Okay. My unit in uh, my half squad that's in M5 along with the leader, well, not along with the leader. They're going to move them separately, but I want to get my leader under, be sure to get him under cover, so I'm going to move him into N5, assault move. Uh, first, I'm doing the half squad, assault move into N5. All right, and no fire for me. Okay, I'm going to follow up, put the leader with that half squad, assault move him into N5. And again, no fire. Okay, and then I'm going to assault move the L5 unit, that's unit C, into M6, which is a stone building. Yes, and no first fire. For All me. right, so everybody's undercover. Those guys have moved, and now I'm going to go to my units that are coming in from offboard. They're sitting there at W7. I'm going to take one of my squads. This is going to be squad D. And I'm going to take one movement point into V7. Okay, no fire. I'm going to move him now into U7. Again, no fire. I'm going to move him to T7. And stop. Okay, so Joe has stopped me there, and he's going to take this opportunity to open fire on me. So I'm going to open fire with one squad from hex P1. It's a 447, so... Uh, it's out of the normal range of four, but he's sitting right at eight hexes, so uh, that'll be a two. It'll be half firepower factor, so it'll be two firepower factors down two. This is it's down one for non-assault movement, and uh, down another one for open ground. And I think in the game of squad leader, Jeff, would you agree that these are the worst shots? A two down two shot is probably the most lethal. Yes. Devastating, often devastating. As far as that's when you, the opponent usually rolls snake eyes, or at least in my experience. Yeah. So again, it's half firepower because it's out of your normal range, uh, but still within. You can go how far past your normal range? Yeah, I should mention that double. You can double the range of a of that's printed on that particular counter. In my case, four. I can double it up to eight. Okay, so it's within eight. So it, that's half firepower. And then it's minus one on the die roll for open ground and minus one for non-assault move. And here we go. And I get a six, kind of low. So minus two, that's a four. Four on the two is a plus one morale check. All right, so we're going to take a, my morale is seven. I'm going to roll the dice and add one. I rolled a seven. I'm going to add one, which is an eight. And because eight is greater than seven, this unit Breaks. Now broken. So I'm going to flip the unit over to the broken side there in T7. And because he was fired upon, he gets a DM counter put on him. Because he broke. Because he broke. He broke because of fire and he gets a DM, which stands for? Demoralized. No. Or desperation yeah, demor morale? Or? Yeah, demoralized. So he gets a DM counter on him. And what else? There's a residual fire counter in there. And because I fired two, so half, it would be a one resid counter that would get placed in that hex T7. All right. And 
So a resid counter of one gets put on top of them. So if I, if I decide to enter more units into that hex, they're going to have to take that, that one firepower. And then I put a first fire counter on one of the 447s that I elected to fire. I still have the second 447 squad uh, ready to fire at anyone else that Jeff decides to move in open ground in front of me. All right, so I'm going to take my next unit, which is unit E, moving from W7. I'm going to move him into V7. That's one. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. And I, he's going to move CX. He's going to double time. Uh, he's going to double time. So I have to announce that at the beginning of this movement phase. So he will be moving double time. So I'm going to have six movement points for him. So he's going to move into V7. That's one movement point. Okay. He's going to move to U8. That's one and a half movement points uh, to move into grain, which is in season, which it is during this scenario because this scenario takes place in June. So he's now sitting at two and a half movement points. Okay, and U8. I'm not going to fire because he's okay. definitely out of my range. He's going to move to T8, which adds another one and a half movement points. So now he's up to four movement points in T8. Okay, and uh, again, I'm not going to fire yet. And he's going to move to S8. S8 is still within the grain hex, so it's another one and a half movement points. That puts him at five and a half movement points. And, and I'm going to grab the CX counter here. Yep. He's now CX, and I'm going to elect to fire the 467 squad that is in O10. I'm going to defensive first fire, and again, it's within my range. So, and because he's not assault movement, it's a minus one. It's not open ground, so he doesn't get that modifier. But I do get another a minus one for the 8-1 leader that is accompanying the, the squad in 010. Right. So that'll be a four down two. All right, I get an eight down two. That's six. So six on the four is a normal morale check. Normal morale check. My morale is seven. I roll a three. So he passes with flying colors. So he passes the morale check. And I now place a first fire counter on the men in O10. And a residual fire powder, uh, fire counter of two. Of two goes into S8. And if Jeff had any remaining movement factors, he could continue to move, but I believe you're out of your movement factors. Yeah, I have five and a, I'm at five and a half, so really I cannot move any farther. Even to move one hex in open ground would require one whole movement point. I only have six movement points. I've used five and a half. I got to sit right here, uh, hoping that during my advance, my advance phase, I'll be able to get into the building in R7. All right, so now I'm going to move unit F that starts off in W7. All right, continuing my aggressive nature, I'm going to move both the unit, uh, unit F, and the leader. So because this unit is traveling with the leader, they automatically get six movement points because the leader gives them, uh, I don't know, that X. Why is that, Joe? Because the leader's carrying a whip? Yeah, he's just, or a bat or something. Yeah, yeah he, he, cattle prod. Or in some cases, like with the Russians, maybe a pistol. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it makes me want to run. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have six movement points. Without moving CX, they get six movement points. But I am going to try to get them all the way into the building at R7. So I'm going to call right now that they are going to double time. 
Okay, so you have eight movement factors. I'm going to have eight movement factors here. So first, I'm going to go to V7. That's okay. one movement factor. And I'm moving them together. I'm moving them to U8. Okay. That puts them at two and a half movement factors. Going to move them to T8. Okay. That's at four movement factors. Now I'm going to put them into S8, which is five and a half movement factors so far expended. S8 already has a uh, residual fire counter of two in there. Okay, so it'll be a two attack, down one for non-assault movement. It's not open ground because of the grain, so you're only getting a two minus one. A two minus one, so Joe rolls the dice, subtracts one from the total. I get an 11, and so that's a 10, and it'll be no effect, but that there's no effect from the residual fire, but I'm gonna elect to fire my second squad that is sitting in P1, the 447. He's at max range of eight. I'm doubling my normal range, so I have a range of eight. And it I'm just gonna, makes it. Yeah. I'm going to shoot at S8. And I would say the line of sight is good, other than it's going to pass through the orchard at O5. You think? Or I'm sorry, Q5. So maybe we, we could do a quick line of sight check. Let me get out the official uh, squad leader uh, thread. Okay. Line of sight thread. Well, that's amazing. I would have thought that that, uh, that line of sight from, uh, from P1 to S8 would have been a clear line of sight. But sure enough, I'm glad I checked it uh, because it does actually touch the orchard hex in Q5. And because it's in, uh, just like grain... Uh, orchard is considered inherent, meaning the whole hex is a hindrance, not just if you run over, not if the line of sight passes through one of those tree symbols. It, the whole hex is, in, is inherently a hindrance. So that'll be a plus one to my shot, and it'll be a minus one shot for, minus one modifier for non-assault movement, so the two cancel each other out. Right. And it'll be a two straight up. Ooh, Ooh, I finally get a, I get a three. So a three on the two is a plus one morale check oh. to the leader and just the squad that moved in. Because first fire is against moving units, so I, I can't fire at the men that passed uh, the, the first squad that moved into that. Yeah, house. squad E that moved in. Was it E? Yeah, squad E that moved in there safely is not affected by this. So, and uh, the leader always takes his morale check first. And this is a plus one morale check, did you say, yes. Joe? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry you said that. I rolled a 10. Plus one is 11. This leader is broken. And now the squad is going to take the plus one morale check. And the squad, I rolled a 10. What's wrong with these dice? So They're your dice, too. <laughs> oh, man. This is bad. All right. Jeff is prohibiting me from using my dice tower because it's too noisy. <laughs> so I'm stuck with a Bachaman board. Even when it's just us <laughs> playing, it's too noisy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I've never told you that. Now, uh, now you know. All right, so I'm going to mark those. Uh, those two units get marked with a DM counter. Well, that's part of the risk of the game is that, uh, you know, you want to be aggressive, but 
you're going to break some eggs, you know, when you're, if you want to make mayonnaise, you got to break some eggs. Isn't that what they say, Joe? Yep. I'm glad it's you. Yeah. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> well, uh, and now because I have moved all of my units, that is the end of my movement phase. And so now we pass on to uh, Joe's defensive fire phase. So for if any units that he has not defensive fired already, he may now do so. And like we said in, in in my turn one, the my units that my units that have the first fire counters on them, they cannot fire at anything in the final phase unless it's adjacent. And in this case, the units I fired from P2 and O10, they're unable to fire anymore during this final fire phase. So that leaves only the men I have in K4, which I will fire at the the squads. In M4. I got two squads in M4. Okay. So I will have fired a big whopping four plus three. Plus three for the stone building. And I get a five. And so what plus three for the stone building is an eight. Eight on the four is a polite miss. I missed by one. There's no wah, effect. Wah, wah, wah. That's okay. I used up my good roll earlier. <laughs> And, okay, so they get a final fire counter placed on them so that I can remember not to fire again. And moving on over to the men, I have a unit in K8, a 467 that's in K8 from my turn one. I'm going to fire across the road as well over to the men in M4, the two squads in M4. There's no line of sight problem. We can see each other. And it's within my normal range. Here, I have again, I have the advantage of the range. Whereas if he was firing at me, he'd be halved. Uh, so I'm going to do a 4 plus 3, similar to my previous shot. They don't get any die roll modifier for their CX, right? Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm holding the counter in my hand. Aha! It gets plus 1 for being CX. Because I don't remove the CX counter until my next... Uh, my t movement phase to the beginning of it. Right. Yeah, actually, we were looking at looking too carefully, and uh, Joe's last um, his last fire, the the units in K four should have taken this modifier also because they were CX. But. Yeah, and it would have been plus four, plus three for the stone building, plus one for CX. But as you know, as you may, when you play, you'll find you make a lot of mistakes, and sometimes you'll go back and say, "Okay, roll that again," or "I'll let you take that now." And you may decide not to. In this case, we're not going to go back. Something we both missed. We're just going to press on. And it, but it, yeah. Go oh, ahead. sorry. I was yeah. just going to say. And, and in this case, I didn't. I didn't have any effect. It's not like yeah. I fired and I broke those two squads, and 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 he's thinking of quitting or something. It's, <laughs> Cheater! <laughs> yeah, nothing happened, so uh, we just made a note of it. And like, yeah, we got to pay more attention to the when you're CX, you get that additional plus one. Right. Um, and so I, I just I rolled an eleven uh, on my roll from the guys from K8, and because of plus three for the stone building, and again plus one for the CX, uh, obviously no effect. No effect. So they'll get a final fire counter. And I'm going to fire or attempt to fire the squad, the 467 that's in J8, at the squad that's in M6. So we'll do a real quick line of sight check. And we're going to determine that I can see, I can see them. You can see them. That's close. Yeah, it is close. 
Better so, keep that, uh, always keep your uh, thread handy. And so it'll be a four plus, it's another stone building and I'm CX. So it'll be another four plus four. We're gonna roll a dice, uh, I get a nine. So plus four is 12, uh, 13. 13. <laughs> 13, and no effect. And that'll be it for my final fire. It's a 12 if you're on daylight savings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you they get marked. Catch me. Yeah. So they get marked with a final fire. Joe has no units left to fire, so are you done doing damage on me, Joe? Yes. Thank goodness. I wish I could have done a little bit more to these guys in the middle, but no. So I'm done. So now we go right into Jeff's advanced fire phase. Advanced fire phase, I can move uh sorry, I can fire any units that move during this phase, which uh pretty much everybody did. So it's time to open up a can of you know what. Or more specifically anything that's not under a prep counter. That's a good way of thinking it. Alright, well I'm a little upset about these units in P1, so I am gonna take a nice uh shot at them in hopes of doing some damage there. So I'm gonna shoot both of these fire both the units in M4 got two squads in M4. I'm going to add their firepower together. That makes it, add their two sevens together, that makes it 14. Then I have it, because this is advanced fire phase, I have it so it goes down to a seven. There is no seven on the infantry fire table, so it goes down to a six. They're firing into a stone building, so this is going to be a six plus three. And I rolled a six, so that would be a nine if I add three to that. And that yields a no effect by one. It misses. That's so sad, Joe. And the good thing for me is you 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 have advanced fired those guys. Yes, I have. All right, so now I'm going to advance fire the uh, half squad and the leader that are in N5. Now the half squad only has a range of three. I'm going to fire him over at Joe's units in K4 in the stone building there. So they have a. Firepower of three, half because it's advanced fire phase, which is one and a half, rounds down to a one. So they're going to, a firepower of one into a stone building. It's a plus three because it's a stone building, but because there's the neg one leader, that makes it only a plus two. So one plus two. This will be devastating. Yeah, I'm shaking. Oh, I rolled an 11. <laughs> Especially with that roll. Am I rolling the wrong, I'm rolling the wrong way. I keep thinking I should be rolling high numbers. You mean I should be rolling low numbers? I think Yahtzee or whatever. I wonder if that's why we keep saying roll low. I wonder. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I've got another unit here. My uh, 747 in M6. I'm going to fire to the units in the woods in J8. Eight. So it's a firepower of seven. Halved. So it's four and a half. Sorry, three and a half. <laughs> Goes down to the two column on the infantry fire table. So it's going to be a two plus one for the woods. Now, are you adding the one for assault fire? Because you're, the number, the seven is underlined. Do we have assault fire in starter kit one? Uh, I believe it's mentioned in the rules. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't think it was. Yes. All right. It, it explains, it doesn't explain what the, uh, the underline for the range is. Okay. Yeah, which is which uh, comes up in the, I think in the full rule book. Yes. Okay. So what Joe is referring to is the um, certain units, and is it only American units? No, no. It, it's, okay. 
it's normally elite units. I okay. think like Germans or units that are with machine guns or there's just certain units that are well equipped. I think Russian guards. Uh, but mainly what you're looking for is the underline on the far left number, the 7. If it's underlined, that means it has assault fire capability, which is uh, during the advanced fire phase you have your firepower. So in this case it'll be 3.5. And then you add one to that, so you, now you have four and a half. And so in this case, you'll get to use the four column instead of the two column, which is that's a big thing. That's that's a big factor. Yeah, that, that that really does help. All right. So yes, thank you for bringing that up, Joe. So they are going to use that assault fire. So that puts them on the four column. And did I roll yet? No. Okay. Whoa! Four plus one. I rolled them right across the board there and knocked everybody into next week. Okay, four plus one. I rolled an eight. Plus one is a nine. On the four is going to have no effect. Missed by two. Missed it by that much. So, who have I got left to fire? I've got... <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty bad. I've got a unit over here that is not broken in S8. It's my 747 there, unit E. And they are going to fire to 010. So they have a firepower of 7. This is halved because it's advanced fire down to 3.5. Assault, uh, assault fire lets them add 1, so it's going to be 4.5. So on the 4 column, Plus two because they're shooting into a wooden building. Four plus two. Four plus two. I rolled a six. That's an add two. It's an eight on the four column is a miss by one. Alright. And that takes us to the end of my advanced fire phase. And now we get to cover route because Jeff, fortunately for me, has some broken units. Aye, we can, aye, we aye. can discuss route. This is where, this is an important part of the game because if you understand route, a lot of times it's not about uh, just killing people, getting KIAs on the fire table, but it's also uh, taking away the route path of your enemy. And so, well, Jeff, you, would you like to start with route? Yes, I would. Okay. Well, and I've, I do have some broken units here. I have a uh, broken squad and a broken leader in T7. Is that a leader? Yes, it is. In T7. And they have to route. Now, they need to, in order to route, they need to seek cover in a building or woods. And they need to go toward the, the closest building or woods, but they cannot move toward the enemy. So I'm on the north end of the board. I cannot move anywhere south. I can't move toward the building in R7 because that is toward the enemy. So, and Joe, you are the enemy. Yes. So Just I'm going to have to route north. I get up to um, how many? four movement points. Six. My normal movement are six movement points to route. So I'm going to move these units to U7, and they are not in line of sight and within normal range of any enemy and I will continue them on to U6. So now they are inside a building and they're gonna sit there and hope that they can rally during the rally phase when that comes around. Next I have a broken squad. This is squad D. That's in hex S8. I'm gonna also 
route them back. So I can route them back to T7 and because I am not within normal range of P1 and I am not in the open ground because it, um, the line of sight from O10, Joe's units in O10 would pass through grain, I can continue my route. I'm going to go back to U7 and I'm going to route this squad back to the same building in U6 that the other squad and the leader went to because if I can rally that leader that's going to help me. And that is the end of my route phase. Joe has no broken units, so he has no route. And the order of route is the it's that player turn, so we're in Jeff's player turn one. Yeah. He he would get the route first, followed by the defensive player, which in this this case is myself. Yeah. But we are now done with route and now we go to advanced phase where So now I can advance one. So first thing I'm going to do is take my unit, my CX unit that's in S8, and advance them to R7. So they're now under cover of a stone building. I'm very, very happy about that. And the only other advance that I'm going to make at this point is the unit in M6. I'm going to advance to N6. And I am not going to, uh, I'm going to elect to not advance any other units. And that's the end of my advance phase. Close combat would take place, is, is next. That would only take place if we are occupying same hexes, which we are not. And that ends turn one. We made it, Joe. Yeah. And it only took us an hour. You sure you don't want to give up yet? I'm sure. Okay. Now we can flip the turn counter to... Turn two. German, the top of turn two. We and remove remove all the residual counters. We remove all the first and final fire counters, anything else that needs to come off. But this, make a note of that the DM on the Americans in U6, that DM does stay there. That stays on there. At this point, and as well as the CX counters on my three squads that moved in turn one. Right. But we're going to get right into the rally phase, and in the rally phase, um, this is my turn, so I get to, we're going to have to do our reinforcements. We both have reinforcements, but for, for, for me, I'm going to have to get my reinforcements out and place them uh, where they're going to enter. So Joe has uh, three units, three, five, four, eight units, A, B, and C, coming in along the east edge along with a 9-1 leader. And the 9-1 leader is Lieutenant Loth. And the leaders have names, not not letters. I like that. It makes it more personal. Yes. We can always bring up that we, we every squad leader player envisions a, a a leader counter with their name on it someday. But hopefully not a six plus one. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Alright, so I've set up my my men to enter on they're sitting next to I ten. I also have units that are going to enter on turn two, but because I don't need to set them up until uh, your turn. my player turn during the rally phase, so I'm going to leave those off for now. So you're all set, Joe? Yes, so I, I, I've designated where those reinforcements are coming on, so okay. now we can get right into the rally phase. And I have no broken units, so now I have... If I did, I would go first because it's my turn, but I don't. So now we go right into Jeff. Jeff try, will attempt to rally his leader first. 
All right, so I've got in the stone building, I've got a broken leader and two broken squads. So I'm going to start to try to rally the leader first, as Joe said. He needs a um, he needs an eight normally to rally, but because he's under DM, I'm going to have to add four to the die roll. Okay, well I rolled a snake eyes. Wow, I like that. First one of the night. Oh look, Robin's back with some cookies. Cookies. You guys want some cookies? Yeah, can you leave the whole package? Yeah, I'm leaving it here for you. You're going to leave it right there. One per each. One a piece. One a piece. Anybody Thank you very much. Coffee? You want coffee? Black? Yes, uh, regular? Cream? Cream and sugar. Okay, regular? Mm -hmm. Regular black for me. Thanks, Robbie. My pleasure. When I was little, when I was a little guy, I went over to my friend Tim Riccadotti's house. He's Italian, obviously. His mom came out with cookies. And she said, and you know, we said, oh, wow, cookies. And she said, one a piece. One a piece. And I didn't understand what that meant, really. I just thought she was talking Italian. <laughs> one a piece. And so you grab. <laughs> so I, I, in my house, we always said, you get one each. But she said, one a piece. <laughs> Did she slap you or something? I'm sure she wanted to. A lot of people do. She just thought you were uh, <laughs> smart. Poorly raised. Yeah, poorly raised. Barbarians. Those English barbarians down the street. Uh, all right. Well, I rolled a snake eyes. So my, um, if I take that two and add four, because of the DM, that makes it a six. But my leader needs an eight. So he rallies. You do get an additional minus one for being in concealment terrain. I don't know if you mentioned that. You're in uh, the building. That's right. Building in woods. That's right. So it would only be a plus three. With that snake eyes, he gets a five. He easily makes it. Now he can apply that negative one. From that leader, yeah, to my the rest of my rallies. So it's only a plus two for the... Uh, the DM counter. So I'll go to my next unit. I roll a six. He gets an eight. He equals it. And so he rallies as well. So that unit rallies. Uh, I'm going to roll again for the last unit. And I'm six. roll another six. And they all come back. So they rally. So everybody is back. Good order. The DM counter goes away. So I am glad that I rallied all those units together into that building with that leader that worked out well for me so those guys are feeling trim and ready to go yeah that's okay they still got to get across that road oh yeah forgot about that all right and that is the end of the rally phase uh, during this time also if there are any other things like transferring uh, support weapons and stuff but we don't have any of that so we can go right on it's joe's prep fire phase okay uh we'll start with on the west side, the, the units in P1 are going to fire as a, a group, as a fire group. So the two squads will fire at the men in M4. It's within their normal range, so it's going to be an 8 plus 3. 8 plus 3. I get a 4. Plus 3 is 7. 7 on the 8. A seven on the eight is a plus one morale check to both those squads. I would love to break these squads because there's no leader with them. 
All right, plus one morale check. I roll a, ooh, an eight. Plus one is a nine. The first unit in M4 breaks. Dun, dun, dun. Another one. Oh, oh he 12. gets a 12. Life is good. Plus one is a 13. They break rather handily. Yes, we just got to decide in starter kit, do they do we have casualty ELR? reduced? Yeah, let me check. Let me think for a second. Yeah, so rolling a 12 on a morale check does a casualty reduction on that squad and breaks them. So from a 747, they get reduced down to... That good old 337. Yeah, the 337. Oops. So that was good. That was a good example of effective prep fire. Yeah, don't rub it in, Joe. Remember, you're a guest here. Okay. I want more beer and more cookies. <laughs> I have to be nice. So, well, yeah, that hurts. So I'm going to take out uh, the unit, um, unit A. That was the unit that broke. Yes, and it was. A was the one that rolled 12. Yeah, and M4. I'm going to re so I'm going to replace that uh, 747 with a 337. This is unit uh, B. Here, let me help you with that, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Joe. So they are broken, and DM, along with their broken 747 brothers, they're an M4. Nice work, Joe. You make me proud. I'm glad you don't live closer. <laughs> Those are two buildings you're not going to get now. Yeah. Oh, and Robbie just came down with fresh espresso. Yeah. One regular and one decaf, so it's big, but not... That's oh, one of each. Good. We won't get too cranked up. One apiece. Thanks. Thank, one apiece. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome you. Oh, yeah, that's Joe. Good hot Joe. I don't mean you. Cup I mean, of Joe. Cup of Joe. All right, you going to prep fire anything else on me, Joe? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. I will take aim from Hex 010 and fire at the remaining soul survivors in R7. It would be really good if I could break these guys. Fool! So, you fool! Four. It'll be a four plus three for the stone or the stone building, but then yep. I have a leader. Eight one. So that makes it a only a four plus two. Four plus two. Here we go. Nice low eleven. That's a good example of a non-effective prep fire. But That's still, a, those units will have to get marked with a prep fire. I have the counters right here, Joe. Always keep your counters handy, folks. How come you don't label them? I don't know. I'm waiting for, uh, I don't know, retirement. All right, so they can mark with a prep fire. Are now prepped. Sorry, that didn't work out better for you. It's okay. I'm happy with the, the knuckleheads in M3 are broke, so that's good. I, I think that is going to be all my prep fire. All right. And we'll proceed right to movement. Now Joe's movement phase. So now I will start with K4. It's the beginning of the movement phase. I can now remove the CX counter. This is to remind me that I, I, I'm unable to do a, a double time this turn. I'm going to assault move to L3. All right. Joe has assault moved to L3. Now I am going to take this opportunity to open fire on him. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a fire group with the half squad in N5 with the leader, along with the squad, full squad in N6. I can fire group those two guys together. 
and fire them into where Joe just moved into L3. So if I add the two together, that's a 10. That'll fire on the 8 column. Now because the leader is only in one of the two hexes, I cannot use the leader modifier. So this is going to be an 8 plus 3 because we're firing into the stone building. If I decided to fire those two units separately, I could also do it that way. I could fire the 747 from N6 into L3 and take a 6 plus 3 and then fire <laughs> the 337 and take the neg 1 leader with him. But I'm going to fire group. Yeah. You can drive yourself crazy. Analysis paralysis, they call it. So you'll just add that pea shooter over to the 747. That's right. Yeah. I'm just going to fire group it and see what happens. So this is going to be an 8 plus 3. And, oh, that's not a good. 12. I rolled a 12. So that's a big, fat nothing. So both of those hexes, the units in those hexes, get marked with a first fire counter. And to me, more importantly, he has first fired at a unit that is four hexes away, three, well, four hexes away from the, the one squad. Yeah. You can now no longer first fire or subsequent fire anything beyond that range. Right. So this is going to play. Yeah, uh, we'll later. see. We'll see. Turn. And I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue my movement. So I'm done. I've assault moved the four four seven into hex L three. Mm -hmm. He's done. And now we're going to move over to K eight. I have a four six seven. I'm going to remove the CX counter. And he is going to move to J7, which is 1-2. I'm going to go to I7. Now, because the unit in N6 did a first fire to the unit at four hexes away at L3, he's unable to fire. He has to fire at the nearest enemy unit, which would be those that unit in L3. So he's unable to do any more subsequent fire to that unit that is getting across the road. So I've expended three movement points. And because I CX last turn, I cannot double time this turn. So I will elect to stay right there. I'm going to move over to J8. I'm going to remove the CX counter. And same thing. I'm going to use two movement points, two movement factors to move into I8. Mm-hmm. And one more to move into I-7. So you're running out there in the middle of the road, but there's nothing I can do about it. In this case, yes. Ah, it is a sad situation. The reinforcements, the three 548s and the 9-1 are going to enter at I-10. They're going to move as a stack to start off with for one. And you can move as a stack there because there's no way I can hit you. So you can move with impunity. And I want to make sure I get the benefit of moving getting the, the, the leader modified bonus right. for movement. with everybody. Without having to double time. Yeah, okay. And so, I9 for two. Mm -hmm. I'm going to enter I8 for four. Right, four and total. Yep. Four total. And just one squad and the leader will proceed to I7 because the stacking limit for squads are three squads per hex. You can't overstack, but you get penalties for that. And I don't want to do that, so I'm going to move the I-7 because I want to get this leader with these men. And he'll be at 5, and he'll stop. Likewise, with the two squads that are remaining, they've used, because they're no longer moving with the leader, 
they have no more movement points and they will stay at I8. With that, my movement is done. Okay. End of your movement phase. Going on now to my final fire phase. So I can now final fire anybody that is not marked with a first fire counter that can still see somebody. And I do have this unit in R7, this CX unit. So um, all by themselves, they're going to shoot at the units in O10. So they have a firepower of 7. And because there are uh, CX, they're going to have to take a plus one on their die roll. But so there are seven. There's no seven on the I, uh, on the infantry fire table. So this is going to be on the six column. I'm going to roll against a wooden building, so it's going to add two. And because they're CX, it's going to add one more. So it's going to be a six plus three. I rolled a seven plus three is ten. On the six column is no nothing. effect by two. So I'm going to mark them with a final fire counter. All right, then down here in hex U6, I have two squads that rallied, thank goodness, plus a leader. They are going to fire into the uh, enemy units in P1. So they're going to add their firepower together. That's 14. They're within 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. They're outside of their normal range, so that gets halved down to a 7 into a stone building it's plus three because of the leader modification that makes it only a plus two so it's uh but then the six. orchard adds another one. Oh right it's six plus two plus the orchard is going to add another one so six plus three and i rolled a six plus three is a nine nine on the six is a, another polite miss as i like to say oh, missed by darn. one no oh darn so they get marked with a final fire and that's it for my defensive fire phase. We move on now to Joe's advancing fire phase. Okay, and then I definitely have some. We'll start right off the bat with my lucky guys in L3. The 447 will advance fire into the two broken squads at M4, hoping to do some more damage. Uh, it's going to be had because of advancing fire, but because they're adjacent, it's point blank and you get to double it. So it goes right back up to a 4. It'll be a 4 plus 3. And I got 10, so 13. 13 on the 4 is nothing. No effect. Gotta get new dice. You're right, Joe. There's something wrong with these dice. Yeah, they're too little. They're like a quarter inch by <laughs> a quarter inch or something. <laughs> I got these out of my uh, Barbie doll kit. <laughs> they're tiny. They're like the uh, Bakaman travel pack. Mm-hmm. But, um, all right, and then the, the massive stack here that is sitting in I-7, they will definitely do a advanced fire to the squad in N-6. So it's going to be 5 hex range, so it's going to be out of their normal range. So it's going to be halved for being assault fi um, advanced fire. And I have 5, I have 13... 13 in there and halved so it's six and a half and then halved again three and a quarter for for out of range that drops it right down to a two and it'll be a two plus three but with a nine one liter a, a two plus two two plus two so i get a six uh plus two is an eight eight on the two is nothing by two so no effect Aww. i was hoping to get lucky 
okay, and that'll be my advanced fire phase. That's it. I'm done. Now we go right into route. Again, I'm very lucky. I have no route. It's my turn, so uh, I have nothing to route, so it goes right to Jeff. And Jeff definitely, unfortunately, has some decisions to make. Yeah, very tough decisions. In fact, my brain is breaking down just thinking about it. But I cannot leave the units that are in M4. In any case, I cannot leave them where they are because you cannot end uh, a turn with DM units adjacent to enemy units. So I have to move them out of that hex. They have to route somewhere. And I have two options. One would be what's called a low crawl, which is a movement of one hex away from the enemy, even if it means moving into open ground. But Joe can't fire on me if I do a low crawl. The only thing I don't like about low crawl is oftentimes it'll, it's going to leave me in open ground, and in this case, it will leave me in open ground. By low crawl, I would have to low crawl to M5 or to N4. And in either case, I'm going to be uh, kind of a sitting duck. Now, the other op option would be to do uh, risk interdiction. For instance, if I tried to make it to M6, when I moved into M5, both of those units would have to take a morale check. And if they pass the morale check, then I could continue on with my interdiction, uh, with my route. But if they fail, that could be bad. They could get casualty, casualty reduced. Um, so I think I'm going to do a low crawl. I'm going to take both of these squads from N4, sorry, M as in Mary 4, and move them to M5, low crawl, out in the middle. That is the end of my route phase. Okay, so now, now we do advance phase. Yep. And I get to advance one. All right, the only advancing I have is the 9-1 and the three squads in I-7. They are going to advance one into I-6, get into some cover, and... The one squad, there's two squads left in I-8. One is, they're both going to advance one into H-7. And that'll end my advance phase. And there is no close combat, so that'll end the German turn two. So now we'll move into the American turn two. And at the beginning of the rally phase is, I've got some reinforcements that are going to be entering along the north edge. Thank goodness I could use more reinforcements. So I'm going to be <laughs> setting those up along... Uh, Row W. All right, I have two 747 squads and an 80 leader coming in at the beginning of turn two. I'm going to stage them on hex W2 to be coming in, and that's going to be units G and H for the squads. And then the leader is uh, some sergeant. Can't quite read his name. So, okay, I'm set up to come in for turn two. Rally phase. Yes, I have some rally. Well, you're going to declare a self-rally, which is the first thing you should do during the rally phase. Yes. And you're allowed one squad per side. So in this case, you're going to declare that, I'm assuming, the the eight, the broken full squad. Yeah, the broken 747. You're going to attempt a self-rally, so you'll need a four or under. That's right. Actually, a three or under because you're self rail, you get a plus one. That's right. Oh, yes, that's right. So uh, I didn't make it, got a five. Okay. So I can remove the DM from them, but those two units are still broken and sitting in the middle of the road. 
That is the end of my rally. Joe, do you have any rally? No, I do not. Okay, we can continue right on to my prep fire phase. I'm going to start off by prep firing uh, the unit, the squad in N6 is going to fire to the house at O10. That's a wooden house. So their firepower of seven goes down to the six column. It's going to be plus two because they're firing through two hexes with grain in it and another plus two for the wooden building. So six plus four. Rolled a seven plus four is eleven so that is nothing and they have prepped fired. Now I'm going to take the unit, the half squad that's in N5 along with the leader. So they have a firepower of three that goes down to the two column. They're firing into a stone building but they have the leader with them. So it's going to be a two plus two. Uh, sorry, the stone building in L3. Two plus two. I rolled a six at seven eight. On the two is nothing. Nothing but two. So a lot of noise but not a lot of uh, result there. That's it for my prep fire. I'm not going to prep fire anybody else. I'm going right on to the movement phase. I'm going to start off by bringing my units on from W2. So along with the leader and with uh, squad G, the 747 squad G, I'm going to move right into the grain hex in V1. That's one and a half. Into U1. And that's another one and a half, so I'm up to three. Okay, no and fire. Then move those squads into T1. So they're in the grain. That's giving them some cover. You want to fire, Joe? No. No fire Are yet. you sure? Yes. I'm waving my private parts at you. <laughs> I will not take the bait. All right. Then uh, squad H, which is leaving W2, they're moving to V2. That's one. Okay. U2. That's one and a half, so I'm at two and a half. Okay, no fire. T2. No fire still. That's another one and a half, so now I'm at four. And they're going to stop there. Okay. I really need to get my units across this road, so what I'm going to do is uh, my unit in R7, which is marked with a CX, I can remove the CX counter now. I just can't move them CX this turn. But what I'm going to do with them is I'm going to try to place some smoke. Now they have a smoke component, which is that the three in the upper right-hand corner just above their firepower. So I'm going to take one die and try to roll a three or under and try to place smoke in Q7. Which will cost two movement factors if successful. So here I go. Oh, and I rolled a five. This is not my night. Alright, so they were unsuccessful placing smoke. They've expended two movement factors so far without actually moving. You know, a lot of people talk about how great smoke is. Use smoke, use smoke. I well, never have good luck them. with smoke. Can't get that smoke out there to save my life. Alright, well they are going to sit then for the rest of the turn there. Well, and i got to be aggressive, so I am going to just go for it. I'm going to take a unit out of U6. These guys are going to move CX. I'm taking unit F. So we're going to start off by going to T6. Okay. That's one. S7. Stop. That's two. Joe is stopping me there to take a shot. The squ one squad from P1 will fire at max range, which is double, which is eight. And that'll be a two 
down two. Two down two. You are never going to make that. I get a nine, so I get a seven. And that's a miss by one. All right. There is a one resid there. One resid in S7. Now I can continue, unless you're going to, you know, you can't shoot from anywhere else. I could fire my other squad if I wanted to, but I am not going to. I'll continue on then uh, to R6, wildly in the open. Okay, now there I will fire from the other side at 010, the 467 will fire into those the, the squad that just moved in R6 as first fire, so it'll be four down three. Four down three, ooh. And I get an eight, so I get a five. A five on the four is a plus one morale check. Plus one morale check. And there's two resid in that hex. Eight. Breaks them. All right, so they are broken in R6. And a two resid there. And that unit in R6, now that's DM, I had said he was CX, so I've also marked him with a CX counter. All right, I've got another unit out of U6. This is unit D. I'm going to run him. And the rocket's red glare. So he's moving, uh, he's also going to be double timing. So he's moving to T6, that's one. Okay. S6, that's two. Stop. Uh, the remaining squad in P1 will fire a, he will first fire. Squad that has not fired yet will fire first fire. So it's gonna be a four down two. I get a six, down two is four. I don't cower because I have a leader with me. Right. So a four, I'm sorry, yeah, a four on the four is a plus one morale check. Plus one morale check, all right. Nine breaks. He breaks, oh man. Ah, uh, he was double timing so he gets a CX marker. Oh man, it's sad folks. I feel for you. I bet you do. Uh, that's the end of my movement phase. I'm going to leave my leader that's in U6. I'm going to leave him back there because I have a feeling he's going to he's going to have some guys routing back there, and I want to have somebody back there so that uh, he can do a little healing. All right, that is the end of my miserable move phase, and we <laughs> we're going to move right on to Joe's uh, defensive fire. If you've got anybody left, do you want a defensive fire, me, Joe? Uh, I hate to do this. Or do you to want you, to just skip? I... <laughs> you want to just skip? Hopefully we'll still be friends after tonight. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the the squad in L3 has to do it. Has to fire at the men in M5. Mm -hmm. So it'll be just a straight up four uh, with no modifiers. And I get a seven on the four, which is a pin check. You can't pin broken units, but because I, I fired on them and I, got, I had the possibility of getting an effect, uh, they are DM again. So they get a DM again, which is not a bad thing because in order to route them, which I want to do, they have to be under DM. And you so. could have elected to keep the DM on. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, other final? Yes, and I will attempt 
I'll get a free line of sight check here. I'm going to fire the, the stack that's in I-6. I'm going to attempt to fire at the men in M5. I'm not ready to leave those guys alone yet. So we'll pull out the official red thread to do a line of sight and check. Okay, the line of sight check. They are in line of sight. M5 can be seen by my men in I-6. So I'm going to fire the full stack of 13. It's within normal range. I have a plus one hindrance for the orchard in K5, but the leader will negate that. So it's going to be a 12 straight up. This is where I need a nice low roll. Not that. A 12. You rolled a 12. <laughs> I rolled a 12. I get a perfect chance to do some damage, and I get a 12, and that's nothing by two. So Yay! Jeff got a lucky break. He, he can't complain anymore. No, I won't complain that. anymore till later. <laughs> and that will be my final fire. All right, that moves on to now my advancing fire phase. So any units that have moved may now fire. All right, so I will fire uh, my unit in R7 that had tried smoke and couldn't do anything is going to fire at Joe's units in O10. So that's going to be a 7. It's a 6 plus 2, but the 6 is halved, so that goes down to the 2 column. So it's uh, 6 plus 2, and I rolled a 6. I rolled uh, doubles, so they actually cower down to the 1 column. Well, that's bloody awful. Yeah, and actually it's halved, so it's it's 3.5. It's on the 4 column. And you were firing 4 plus 2. You cowered, so you go down to the 2 column. A, an 8 on the 2 column is nothing, no effect. Okay. So... Okay, so let's do that again. He's got seven firepower. It's halved because it's advancing fire. So that goes down to three and a half. <clears throat> then he's got assault fire. So that goes up to a four. Yeah, you add one add to one. the half. It goes to four and a half. Then you round down to four. Right. Okay. No effect. See, that's what you get for laughing at my 12. Everybody else is broken. There is no other advancing fire that I can do now, so now we move on to the route phase. All right, well, I've taken my licks. I have, uh, I'm now going to remove uh, the residual firepower counters so that I can see a little better. And uh, now it is the route phase. So my units that are in M5, I can route to... I'm sorry, the units in M as in Mary 5. I can route to the building in N5. So I'm going to do that. They can route back there. That's a good spot for them. They're in a stone building, and there's a leader there that will help them rally, hopefully. Now I've got broken units way back here in S6. And since I left a leader back in U6, I'm going to route them back there to U6. And technically, that's the only way they could route. Yeah, that's right. They can't route forward. They can't route any closer to uh, known enemy units. So, And then I've got broken units back here, over here in R6. I'm going to route them back also to U6. One big happy sick family. And that is the end of my route phase. Joe? Okay. You don't have any route phase, uh, any route, do you, Joe? Uh, no, 
I, I don't think I've had any route all game. Yeah, shut up, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you kicked me under the table. Oh, sorry. Oh, was that you? I thought it was the dog. I'm sorry. We're getting personal now. Yeah. All right, that is the end. There is no close combat, so that is the end of turn two. Oh, I'm sorry. That is not the end. That's right. It's time for advance phase. So, well, the only guy I really have anything to advance with, or for, yeah, I will not advance anybody. So I'm okay. skipping and over my advance phase, so no still close no combat. Close combat. That, that is the end of that turn. Well, that's going to be the end. We're going to stop right there. That'll be the end for this part of um, Newbie Doo. Where are you guys? Retaking of Verville. Uh, so we covered uh, a lot of the basic uh, movement phases, the defensive fire, things like that. In the next episode, we're going to fast forward a little bit. Uh, using the same scenario, we're going to get into some areas so we can do some close combat, uh, some closer hand-to-hand -hand sort of stuff inside the buildings. So stay with us, and uh, we will post for the next episode where all of the setup is going to be, where all the units will be, so you can follow along with us. And Joe, you'll be here, right? Oh, yes. You sure? I plan on it. Okay. I promise I won't kick you under the table anymore. <laughs> See you next time, everybody. Bye. <laughs>